Hello, Internet. Welcome to the Sim Geeks Podcast. We are your hosts, William Belk. And David Shablock. Rather than jump right into a full episode, we want to take a few minutes in the pilot, introduce ourselves, let you know who we are, where we're from, what we've done, and why you should love us. I don't care who you Uh, Dave, why don't you go first? Introduce yourself. Uh, my name is David Shablock. Um, I am a, a simulation technician and paramedic for about eight years now. Uh, jack of all trades, master of none. I lifelong learner as well. As well, um, into three D printing, plastics, silicone, moulage, simulation, uh, with a heavy background with Laerdal mannequins. Well. So, uh, William Belk, I'm the education manager for a large air medical company here in the United States. We've got about 13 years of EMS experience, the last seven of that being in the air medical industry. Uh, currently, my primary role with my company is to be involved in ongoing education, including the simulation, working in the simulabs, doing a lot of HPS, uh, perpetual learner, addicted to simulation, been doing a lot of nerdy stuff with it for the last couple of years, as well as doing a lot of 3D printing for probably the last two years. Uh, so, now that you know who we are... We kind of want to discuss our mission, let you guys know what you can expect in future episodes, what we we're planning to do as we move forward, uh, and basically just make this your source for, you know, basically simulation information that applies at all levels, all budgets. Our big focus is keep it as cheap as possible, but still be as realistic and as effective as possible. Uh, tips and tricks, both in and out of the lab for using mannequins and or using standardized patients. Save money anywhere that we can. Basically, uh, give you some honest reviews of products that we've used, things we've used in simulation, what we're happy with, what we're not happy with, uh, DIY projects that we've been working on, things that we've learned from different conferences or that we've used in our own sim labs. Bring in some guests and do some interviews with other simulationists around the world who we've had the uh, pleasure of working with in the past. Uh, discuss some new discoveries, talk about some research uh, that's going on in the field of simulation, both on the technician side as well as some education that we got tossed in there. And then provide you with different views. Dave and I both have different approaches to the same topics because we come from different backgrounds. We work in different levels and different types of sim centers. Uh, and basically keep it fun and make it as entertaining as possible as we go through it. Here's our uh, one and only disclaimer for this episode. Um, we're going to be talking about a lot of different uh, products and techniques and mannequins and this and that sort of things throughout the uh, podcast. And the disclaimer is make sure you're working within the guidelines of your uh, employer, the mannequins and things like that. Don't void a warranty and, uh, you know, blame it on us. Uh, you guys are all uh, professionals out there. Just, uh, you know, we're here to help you and uh, make you guys better. All right, so we've got an upcoming series that we're going to do on moulage basics, moulage theory, a little bit of education, a little bit of uh, technology, save some money, play with a few different products. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we wanted to talk about today just to kind of get you, get our feet wet, get you a little bit of information about what we're working on is give you a quick overview what the top three things that each of us would see in a standard moulage kit, what we think anyone just getting started needs to have, as well as the number one thing for each of us that we think you should avoid at all costs. Um, and both of us have have used a lot of products. We've made a lot of mistakes. And so we know, you know, we kind of have this idea of what we have no desire to use ever again. And we are not experts by any mean. I shun that <laughs> term at every turn of the, I can. Uh, I call myself a specialist and not an expert. All right. So uh, Dave, let's get started, man. What is your number three item that you need in any moulage kit or that you think these guys getting started out should purchase? Um, some places you 
want to bite the bullet and go for an expensive item. And one thing I think is very, very important are alcohol-based pigment systems. Um, a lot of people use the pigment wheels, the cream-based makeups, and they can be very, very successful with it. But uh, the alcohol, such as Skin Illustrator, uh, European Body Art, and Real Creations, to name a few in the United States, are uh, very key. It's uh, They're activated pigments with 99% alcohol. And the biggest thing is they stick onto just about everything. Uh, the real problem with other pigments are, you know, it sticks to one thing and not the other. The Skin Illustrator and the alcohol-based inks, uh, they, they stick onto just about anything, and then they clean off so bloody easily. Uh, so it's one of those things that is a little bit on the pricey side. Uh, you can buy the smaller kits that work just as well, like $55 uh, for a basic on-set kit, and uh, it works great. So that, that's one of those things I just think is crucial. I would agree with you there, man. I, I've got that Skin Illustrator that I actually bought on your recommendation. Absolutely love it. Um, but I do want to circle back to something you said, and you kind of brushed over it. That 99% alcohol is imperative. You cannot get away with dollar store alcohol. You can't get away with what you get at Walmart. You've got to buy a high-quality alcohol in order to make an alcohol paint work. All right, so my number one thing for me, or number three, I'm sorry, coming in that I think everybody should have is food coloring. I don't care if it's the McCormick Culinary or it's Durkee's Food Coloring. Both of those are great products. But buying food coloring in 16 and 32 ounce bottles, especially on Amazon, saves you so much money over buying the little ones uh, at the grocery store. I think I pay about eight or nine bucks for a pint of food coloring versus three dollars for that little you know, one ounce bottle you get um, if you go to Walmart. I use this for everything. So I use this to make simulated blood bags for doing transfusions and trauma scenarios. I also use this for mixing with water to actually put the blood into the mannequin that's gonna bleed out onto the floor. It's easy to clean up. It's easy to get the mannequin clean back out. I absolutely hate the thickening agents that they use in a lot of blood kits as far as trying to put that into a mannequin. And so using using yeah. food coloring and in uh, distilled water, so much cleaner, comes up a lot easier. Uh, and then at the end of the day, I just run some more water and vinegar through the mannequin until it runs out clear and I'm done. I don't have to worry about scrubbing pipes or sticky blood everywhere. So that, that's a really good set for me. You could actually have a college course just in bloods, blood types, what's in them, what's not, and why. So the only thing I would say on the McCormick stuff is it will stain, but it is, you know, making your own blood can be tricky, but for what you're talking about, boy, you can't beat a basic pigment, and you can dilute it out, and you can get it through a mannequin really, really well. Like you said, there's no thickeners. You made it, so you know what's in it. Just it will stain, you know, so test, always test, and then share what you've tested with others. All right, Dave, what is your number two item that we need in a, any moulage kit? So when I'm talking about moulage kit here, I'm mainly only talking about people moulage. So we're talking mass casualties. We're talking about uh, you know the, the, the big events that you're putting on people because how I approach mannequin moulage is completely different. Um, and there's a product by Paint and Powder Cosmetics called Trauma Skin Effects. Um, if you've ever worked with latex back in the day uh, or even – today uh you know latex is easy to slosh in a mold to make an injury and to you know stick it on somebody with a little spirit gum and go the problem is in our industry and now in you know this time of day it is latex is the devil uh you really don't want to use it if you can avoid it because you know whereas the allergy percentage of population is low you don't want to make that mistake so i know people do it and they're very successful with it that's great i just 
don't hedge my bets and I, I don't use it. So Trauma Skin Effects is an amazing product. It's like working with latex. You can slosh it in a mold, you make it, you do not pigment it, and you can make your own injuries or you can buy them from Paint and Powder Cosmetics. I am not endorsed. I make no money by saying it. They're just the only ones that sell it. Um, and the beauty is it sticks to most mannequin surfaces and people, which is what I'm focusing on, with only 99% alcohol. So if you've got the alcohol inks, you've already got your 99% alcohol, and it'll stick to people with that. So you're not using a glue, which means you don't have to then have the remover, because anything you put on a person, you have to be able to take off. Uh, it sticks on there. I do not pigment it, because that allows the person's intrinsic uh, skin tones to kind of come through the uh, laceration or the gunshot or whatever. And uh, then I just color the inside of the wound, add some blood, and go. And it's really nice because then at the end of the event, they peel them off. If during an event you're going out for a re-wet of blood and you notice uh, an edge is coming up or it's peeling off, you just hit it again with 99% alcohol, stick it back to them, and go on with the day. So I, I, for what we do, it's just so darn easy and it's repeatable and, and it, it works. So, and those are some of my criterias. Yeah, and I would Back agree with you. you. Latex has gotten kind of gotten a bad rap over the years due to all the allergies, especially in the you know healthcare industry, and that's exactly where we work. Um, but I, I also I love liquid latex as well, and I do use yep. it on the mannequins. So I, I absolutely yep. love it. I think it's a great product. It's super cheap. Yep. Anybody can find it. Uh, but yep. yeah, you're absolutely right. A lot of times you go and tell your employer, "Hey, I need to buy latex, or I'm going to use this latex," and it's that immediate panic. Yeah, and that's the thing. It, it, it's it's definitely an overreaction, but it is a concern. And we've all done, you know, a lot of us in this industry, not everybody has done patient care. Will and I both do patient care, and I've met a lot of people with latex, allergy, latex allergies or adhesive allergies. And you've got to be cognizant of this because especially for like the MCIs I do or the mascals I do, I don't know who's going to show up. And I don't want today to be the first time they've realized they have an allergy because we make fake injuries. We do not do real injuries. So I, I like latex too. And there is a place for it for sure. There's a place for everything. Um, I actually will make injuries out of latex because of the organic textures you can get out of latex. But then I'll recast it in something else. I'll mold that injury and I'll recast it in something else. So here number two. All right, so my next item, makeup brushes. This sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but I have to have brushes, and I have to have lots of brushes. I will use them, and I will, you know, I'll clean them up and use them again, but I will completely destroy them. So for me, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. It can be something cheap, uh, but I have to have a variety of brushes around, different shapes, different sizes. Sometimes I'll use them to sculpt stuff around. I'll use them to apply makeups. And so uh, I've actually I've had good luck with a really set of cheap, a like really cheap set of brushes I picked up on Amazon from Emacs Design. It's twenty brushes. I think it's like seven bucks Amazon Prime. Super cheap. And at that price, I don't care if I tear shit up because I can get rid of it. I can turn around. I can buy another entire set, and then I have a bunch of extra brushes laying around. Um, I do have some more expensive brushes, and yeah, you get what you pay for. A twenty dollar brush is going to be better than a twenty for seven dollar brush. But with as much as we use them, as much as we tear them up, I've not had that issue. Yeah, I agree. I, I I buy a lot of things that I'm not good at and try to get better at them. And brushes is one of those things that you can do some amazing things with brushes, and I'm just not there at that skill set level yet. I've bought some very, very good brushes, and like he said, you get what you pay for. So I've bought some Delium brushes, and I've got a few other brands that I like and want to buy, but uh, Delium's where I started. And boy, you can clean them, you can gum them up, and you can you know put any cleaner you want. But... 
for uh, a lot of my lectures and when I'm doing classes, I buy those $6.50 brushes from Amazon, like you said, because I, I just don't bother cleaning them. I chuck it in the trash. Or a lot of people will take a cheap brush and they will um, absolutely mangle it and you can get some really neat textures and coloring off of that too. So there's a whole art to modifying cheap brushes and then you just throw them away. So uh, the next thing that uh, I really think should be in most moulage kits and uh, is probably around most simulation centers buildings and people don't like, and that is the Simulabs or there are other brands, there's Techline Trauma and things like that. They're the Velcro on or the snap on injuries. And, and there's probably a lot of people right now, if they're listening to this cringing going, oh yes, I've got them and we don't use them. Well, I didn't use them for years either, and then my counterpart, David Chirolis, came up with a really unique trick of you take Coban and you Coban that out. You don't use the natural securing agent that comes on those because you know as soon as somebody moves, as soon as somebody walks, it's off them. It's fallen off them, and it doesn't work. Uh, so what he does is he Cobans around the entire injury, cuts open only the point where the laceration or the broken bone or you know something is, and throws blood gel in, adds a little bit of liquid blood, and you can go. And the biggest thing for that is it's quick. You can attain a learning objective very, very quickly, and you can move on from there. So when I approach moulage uh, and when I teach moulage, I talk about my 80-15-5 rule, and that is you know, 80% of the people are your splash and dash. They are the you know, simple learning objectives, a broken bone, you know, a laceration, and those simulab or, uh, simulates – kits, not Simulab, Simulades, uh, allow you to do that super quickly so that you can spend more time on your 15 percenters and your 5 percenters, the people with more advanced learning objectives, more advanced moulage, and things like that. So um, <clears throat> if you use that trick where you coban it on and coban the heck out of it, and don't you know constrict blood flow, obviously, but uh, it'll stay on the person, and it's so easy to just throw blood on and go. So Absolutely. I love them. And absolutely, man. So the first time I saw that was at your lecture that you gave at IMSH in San Antonio this last year. Uh, and it, it's brilliant because we have them too, right? And we don't use them a whole lot, you know. And if we do use them, we'd always put a pair of pants over it and kind of cut the pants. Mm -hmm. But we, but they're right. They wiggle. They move around. Using the Coban holds that thing in place. You can make a mess out of it. And at the end of the day, you just unwrap that Coban. The mannequin or the patient's not even – they're not even dirty. You don't have to worry about washing them off. And then just spray that that, that little prosthetic off and be moving on with it. Um, and I've used them a lot more since then than I ever did before. And and you you hit on a big thing that everybody skips over is the cleanup, man. You get the end of the event. You're the one that put it on. It is your responsibility to take every bit of that off. You want these people to volunteer again. And the cleanup, especially on a mannequin, is so simple. You know, so we use them in our lab for, you know, traumas that we weren't ready for or that got kind of sprung on us. You can just slap it on, meet a learning objective, do your simulation, and then roll to the next. So, there's, like I said, I tell people a lot. I share ideas that I've learned from all of you folks. So, you know, that, that um, along with a lot of them are not things that I came up with, but I'll try to tell you where I got them from to give credit where credit is due. All right, for me, this is this is the number one thing I have to have in any moulage kit. It's it's relatively easy to get your hands on. It's pretty cheap, but I have to have a bruise wheel. Um, I've got it. Bruise wheels or FX palettes, just simple cream makeups with a variety of colors for making different injuries and different wound patterns. They're relatively cheap. So, I mean, the Graftobian and Ben Nye both make decent bruise wheels. I think they're one-ounce wheels. 
uh, maybe in the $20 range. Uh, I'm a big fan of the full FX palette. So rather than the six color wheel, you've got the 18 or 20 colors in the palette. Those tend to be a little bit higher. And to be honest, if you're gonna drop 80 bucks on the palette, you probably should go the way of the alcohol paints that Dave was talking about earlier. Um, but lately I've been kind of looking what, what else is out there that we can maybe find more affordable bruise wheels. And something that I stumbled across on Amazon is this brand called 11 ever. Um, and it, it's basically Halloween makeup. It comes, it comes out of China. It's, it's meant for young girls or young kids to be able to do their, their makeup and get as crazy as they want and not have to buy professional level materials. Uh, I got the 11 ever bruise wheel off Amazon for seven bucks. Uh, and so compared to a $20 bruise wheel, you're going to burn through these things left and right. I think that's probably a really decent deal. Uh, so far, the colors are identical to the Ben Nye wheel. I've had good quality with it. I haven't had a whole lot of issues. Uh, it appears to be about the same. The only thing I don't like is that availability is really hit or miss. It may be available when you go to buy it. It may not be available. And then shipping took about three to four weeks because it came from overseas. So in today's world where everything is available Amazon Prime and literally everything <laughs> we've mentioned today is available to you on Amazon and will be at your house or at your office in two days, uh, this is one of those that that 13 extra dollars may be worth it for a, for a proven brand that you're going to get the day after tomorrow versus waiting a month for something that we, you know, we're just now starting our testing with. Um, but, I, but I am. I'm looking for, for good cream makeups, good effects palettes that don't cost an arm and a leg. Um, and I think that this may be that option. Um, talking about Amazon, um, I will say the alcohol paints and some of the other things, I would uh, go with a company called Friends Beauty. And it's a uh, friend like you and I are friends, but without the eye. Uh, their prices are on par with just about everybody else. Um, if you, I think anything over 60 bucks, or they have a minimum order and it's free ship. But if you sign up for their Friends with Benefit program, which is free, you get 10% off of almost everything on the site. And then their prices just beat almost everybody. Uh, I am a frugal, frugal buyer, and I try to buy as cheaply as I can because usually it's all out of my own pocket. So that's a fun little trick for you guys. Uh, you know, Look to Friends Beauty and sign up for their Friends with Benefit program. Again, no, I don't make a dime for saying that. I'm just another broke medic trying to buy everything for nothing. All right, Dave, what is it? What is your number one item that you got to have in a moulage kit? Mm, my number one, we already went over, which was the Simulabs Velcro, but I think we're going on to the oh, next topic. The right. next topic. So what do you hate? And again, this is just your opinion. Other people may love it, but what is the, what is the material or the medium you do not like dealing with and you wish you just didn't have to deal with? You're right. This may be unpopular because it, it also tends to be a really <clears throat> cheap option, but I absolutely hate food products. I do not think that food products have any business in simulation. They really don't belong in moulage. Uh, yeah, okay, occasionally you may have something that you have to make out of food, but the reality is when you start adding food into moulage, it's no longer storable. You can't basically make a prosthetic that I'm going to come back and use over and over again because it spoils. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Even keeping uncooked or long-term items in a training center increases your risk for pests, so you end up with bugs and mice and everything mm -hmm. else. So for me, I would rather build what I need to make out of silicone, out of latex, out of makeup, out of paint, then take the easy way out. Food coloring, of course, aside, because there's really nothing to it, but then take the easy way out and use things like Jell-O. A lot of people use, they use Jell-O, and I, I can't do it. I, I don't want anything <laughs> that's going to attract bugs. I don't want anything that's going to mold or get sticky or ruin stuff. So whenever possible, keep food out of the training center, uh, especially if we're talking about moulage products. Uh, and I don't, I don't know. That's, that's kind of my, that's my no-go. That's basically the only thing I'm not willing to work with. 
Yeah. I, I agree on most instances. There are very, very, very few times when I will use food, but I make sure then I throw away absolutely every bit of it. Everybody's trying to look for the quicker, cheaper, better, and usually they go to the homegrown products and the homegrown way of making things. And um, I've seen a lot of moulage techs, and they'll they'll make their own bloods, and they'll make it out of this, and they'll make it out of that, and they keep it in their kit. Even the Ben Nye powdered blood, if you mix up blood and you throw it in your kit, it will grow things because the water you added is going to start growing things. Then when you pull that out of your kit and you spray that on one of your victims, you are spraying contagion on them. And they're better than that. Don't do that. You're better than that. Don't do that. Um, <clears throat> so I, I've i been known to use food um, on mannequins. Only like I don't use most food, but uh, I will use chocolate frosting on the rectums because I know with my residents, if they're going to do a guac test, I want to know that they've done it. Uh, and I find that that dries up. The worst thing that happens to frosting is it dries up and falls off. But yeah, I, I am agreed. I mean, you can get a lot of neat um, you know, things out of using food. People will use crushed up bananas and wounds and things like that, but you're going to forget it's going to grow things, and it's going to attract things you don't want in your in your building or in in your kit. So I agree. Uh, my hate, hate, hate is, and, and I will preface it by saying there is a place for nose and scar wax. There is for practice, for learning, for one-offs that you're not going to touch. But in the world we work in, people move, people sweat. Um, it takes time. And it's not repeatable. So you can make a nice, um, you know, wound, uh, gunshot, or you know, exit wound, and it looks beautiful. But the minute a provider comes and puts a bandage on it, it's now ruined. And there are ways to kind of harden it, but um, overall, it, it, it's just not repeatable. It's not quick. It takes time, and then the cleanup. And uh, I have about a five-second tolerance. So I have nose and scar wax in my kit usually, and and it's my last line of defense. And I've got about a five-second tolerance till I chuck it. <laughs> so I, I'm, it's probably something with me. I'm just not successful with it. But in our world, it just doesn't have a place. So that's today's. What do you got, Will? No, I, I just I would agree with you on the nose and scar wax. I think even the way that we do things now, even having a palette with platinum silicone in its two separate parts and mixing what you need together at a time is a better option than than trying to use it. Yeah, again, it's cheap. It's easy to get its hands on. Get your hands on. It's one of those things that's in every moulage kit. If you go out and say, every "I'm going to buy," kit. <laughs> you go out and you say, I, "I've got 300 bucks and I want a moulage kit." The reality is, someone will sell you a 300 dollars moulage kit. But what you're paying for is the box it came in and the name that's on the outside of the box. You're not usually getting 300 dollars worth of moulage out of it. And 80 percent of the stuff that comes in those standard kits, we don't even use. We, you know, we, mm -hmm. we toss it off. Yep. We, I've got stacks of scar wax that have come in different yep. packages we bought over the years. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I'm with you 100% on that. I'd rather see platinum silicones. Going back to your latex from earlier, both of those will give you the same, kind of that same benefit um, with the added benefit of being peel it off and reuse it. You don't really get mm -hmm. that with scar wax either. When you're done with it, it's, it's trashed. Uh, so, uh, I mean, that kind of wraps us up for the, the intro. 
as far as oh, go ahead, Dave. I'm gonna add one more thing. So you you mentioned about moulage kits, and yeah, I get I I'm not an expert. I am a specialist, but I get asked a lot about you know, oh, what would you have in a moulage kit? And boy, that is so tough because most of the moulage kits you see, it, you know, it goes back to my sales days of what are your learning objectives? What do you need? And how do you do your job? So we will probably touch on that another time. But boy, that that is another hard subject. If you see that standard quote-unquote moulage kit with a big moulage right on the side of it and yeah like you said most of those things how many shops have you walked into and they're 10 15 20 year old kits that look brand new so yeah i I was just echoing what you said on that yeah absolutely so i mean in the next couple of uh next couple episodes we're going to jump into some moulage theory we're going to talk about products that we use products that you know we would recommend everybody get uh and again it there's nothing wrong with putting together a kit that works for you, but the the standard off-the-shelf kits just they don't work, and they're overpriced. They're really expensive, and you know I I, I could speak. For, I won't throw a brand name out there because I'm not going to alienate us like that. But I did purchase nope. a kit about a year ago, uh, and when it came, you know, it basically came with this supposed to come in a really nice moulage case, and it showed up, and it was an orange Home Depot tackle box, like toolbox, and it said Home Depot right on the damn side of it, and that was a $500 kit that came with that. So, I mean, there's uh, there's definitely and, reasons to avoid it. And there are good kits out there. I have seen great kits. Uh, again, I'm not going to name the brands right now, but there are some awesome kits out of there. But they are very expensive. So, like he said, you've got to find out what works for you. Um, we're going to tell you what works for us and why they didn't work for us. I love sharing my failures and what doesn't work for me because sometimes it comes down to I don't have the patience or I don't have the skill set. Everybody approaches this, you know, differently, and everybody's got a different skill set or talent. And, and you know, you just got to find out what that is, and hopefully, we can help. All right, so uh, check back with us. We'll do some stuff, like I said, on, on some moulage theory. We'll jump into some more products. And then we've got we've got a whole bunch of stuff planned over the next several months. We'll get into some game development. Uh, we'll get a couple people for that we've met through conferences on here. We'll get them for some interviews, talk about things they're doing in other countries or other parts of the country. Um, but in the meantime, if you've got questions or you're looking for us to discuss something, feel free to email us at simgeeks at gmail.com. And uh, we both will keep an eye on that inbox and respond to you. And, and that's a huge thing. We want to know from you. And if you don't agree with us, great. Tell us why. Uh, you know, if something works for you, tell us if you want to see something reviewed, something looked over. We'll try. Can't always do it. But we want the interaction from you guys. Guys, we are just, you know, he's a sim educator. I'm a sim tech. And we want the buy-in from you. We want to know what works for you, what you want to see, and how to make you succeed, how to make you better. That's why we're doing this. We're not making money. We're here to make ourselves and you better. So please interact. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time.